This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Respiratory Distress in the Newborn by Dr. Megan Connolly. Learning Objectives By the end of this video, the viewer will understand the differential diagnosis for newborn respiratory distress and will learn the epidemiology, pathophysiology, presentation, diagnosis, and management for the most common etiologies. You are paged to the nursery to examine a newborn described as being in respiratory distress. Immediately, you start running through the differential diagnosis in your head. What history do you need to know to guide your thinking? History that you will find useful to know includes How old is the baby? What is the gestational age? Was the delivery vaginal or via cesarean section? Is this a preterm, term, or postterm infant? Were there any sepsis risk factors? Was mother well prior to delivery? Was mother group B strep positive or negative? Did mother receive any antibiotics while in labor? Was the amniotic fluid clear or meconium stained? For an infant to transition to life outside the uterus, multiple physiologic changes must occur very rapidly. His alveoli must transition from being filled with fluid to air. He must begin to breathe in a regular pattern. He must decrease his pulmonary vascular resistance so that pulmonary blood flow is increased. Most infants are able to do this with no aid, but approximately 10% will require assistance at birth. The differential diagnosis for respiratory distress in the newborn is long, but with a basic history, you are able to better narrow down the diagnoses and determine the appropriate treatment path. Transient tachypnea of the newborn, TTN, is the most common etiology, accounting for 60% of cases of respiratory distress. TTN is due to excess fluid in the lungs due to impaired clearance of the fetal lung fluid at birth. Risk factors for TTN include infants born at less than 39 weeks of age, as well as infants born via cesarean section without labor, male infants, and infants born to mothers with gestational diabetes. Most commonly, these infants present within the first few minutes to hours after birth with tachypnea, which in an infant is a respiratory rate greater than 60 breaths per minute, nasal flaring, grunting, and retractions. On auscultation, lung fields may be clear or crackles may be appreciated. Frequently, these infants have some cyanosis, but very rarely do they need more supplemental oxygen than 40% FiO2. TTN is a clinical diagnosis, but on chest x-ray, you can often see fluid in the interlobar fissure, as well as hyperexpanded lungs with flattened diaphragms, prominent vasculature in a sunburst pattern, and sometimes alveolar edema appearing as fluffy densities. In most infants, the respiratory symptoms will resolve by 48 to 72 hours of life. If the respiratory distress resolves within the first two to six hours after birth, these symptoms may be due to a brief delay in lung fluid absorption and is often termed delayed transition instead. Neonatal pneumonia. Neonatal pneumonia accounts for 11% of cases of neonatal respiratory distress. Pneumonia is more commonly seen in infants born prematurely. Other risk factors include maternal chorioamnionitis and rupture of membranes of greater than 18 hours. 
Early onset pneumonia, which occurs within three days of birth, is vertically transmitted from the mother via aspiration of infected amniotic fluid or transplacental transmission of organisms via the placental circulation. Common pathogens of early onset pneumonia include group B strep, which is the most common, as well as E. coli, Klebsiella, and herpes simplex virus. Symptoms of early onset pneumonia include respiratory distress, poor feeding, apnea, tachycardia, and poor perfusion. Diagnosis of neonatal pneumonia is made via laboratory findings suggestive of infection, such as an elevated white blood cell count, and characteristic findings on chest x-ray, which often shows bilateral alveolar densities with air bronchograms. The empiric treatment of early onset pneumonia is often with ampicillin and gentamicin. Late onset pneumonia is often hospital acquired, with a major risk factor being receipt of respiratory support. Another possible etiology of late onset pneumonia is chlamydia trachomatis, which has a very long incubation period and causes pneumonia at two to four weeks of life. Respiratory distress syndrome. Respiratory distress syndrome, RDS, is a disease most commonly seen in premature infants, with the frequency decreasing significantly after 37 weeks gestational age. RDS is due to the deficiency of pulmonary surfactant in the immature lung. Surfactant is a phospholipid that decreases the alveolar surface tension, which helps with alveolar expansion and decreases risk of atelectasis. Not all infants may appear ill immediately after birth, but if RDS is untreated, they will progressively worsen over the first 48 hours of life. Symptoms include tachypnea, nasal flaring, grunting, retractions, and cyanosis. In particular, infants with RDS often grunt in order to generate positive pressure to keep alveoli open. Chest x-ray typically demonstrates low lung volumes, as well as a classic diffuse ground glass appearance with air bronchograms. Many studies have demonstrated that RDS is both less common and less severe if corticosteroids are administered to the mother prior to a preterm delivery. All neonates at risk for RDS should receive respiratory support that reduces alveolar atelectasis, most commonly CPAP. If persistent severe respiratory distress is noted, infants are intubated and surfactant is given via the endotracheal tube. Meconium aspiration syndrome. In 4-9% to of infants born through meconium-stained amniotic fluid, meconium aspiration syndrome, MAS, is diagnosed. Affected infants are frequently small for gestational age or post-term. Infants pass meconium in utero due to stress, most commonly fetal hypoxia. The pathophysiology of MAS is a complex combination of many factors. These include the release of cytokines, and other pro-inflammatory factors following the aspiration of sterile meconium into the lungs, as well as obstruction of the airways, leading to distal gas trapping with subsequent alveolar rupture, and the deactivation and decreased synthesis of surfactant. These infants frequently have marked tachypnea, retractions, grunting, and flaring, as well as cyanosis. Their respiratory symptoms develop immediately after birth. The chest x-ray typically shows hyperinflation with flattened diaphragms, as well as diffuse patchy densities alternating with areas of expansion. 
Treatment consists primarily of respiratory support. Some infants will be ill enough to require extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, or ECMO. Other less common etiologies of newborn respiratory distress include persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn, pneumothorax, congenital heart disease, congenital diaphragmatic hernias, and pulmonary congenital defects. Case study. You arrive at the warmer and see a three-hour-old infant born at 37 weeks. He's breathing 60 to 80 breaths per minute with mild nasal flaring and intercostal retractions. Pulse oximetry is reading 90% on room air. His mother was negative for group B strep, and the infant was born via scheduled repeat cesarean section with rupture of membranes at the time of delivery. On auscultation, he has good air entry bilaterally, but scattered crackles are appreciated. His heart rate is regular and no murmur is appreciated. He is pink and well perfused. Your differential diagnosis includes TTN, RDS, and much less likely a pneumothorax or pneumonia. You place him on 30% FiO2 with normalization of his oxygen levels to greater than 95% and improvement in his tachypnea and nasal flaring. A chest x-ray is obtained that shows fluid in the interlobar fissure and mildly hyperexpanded lungs. You feel confident, given his response to minimal respiratory support as well as the x-ray findings, that this infant has TTN and should improve over the next day or two. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.